Good morning. I'm so grateful to be here with you all. This is my fourth time to get to come to Unity of Wimberley. And I just want to say I never take it for granted that I'll be invited back, but I'm so grateful when I am. And just want to also say that I'm so blessed already this morning by that beautiful prayer and by the music and just the sense of community in here. So I too, when I thought, well, I'm going to be speaking about joy, I felt this need to want to distinguish between joy and happiness, what's different, and I kind of thought I knew. So I do went to the fount of all wisdom, St. Google, and asked, (laughs) what is the difference between happiness and joy? And it returned 83 million search results. So I thought it would be a good use of our time today. I'm just going to go through those one by one. We'll finish maybe September 2030 or so. Just relax, get comfortable. And so when I was looking, though, some of the, the good thing about that many results, I got to look at the ones I liked and say, ah, no, no thank you on those. Because some of them confirm what I kind of had a sense of, that joy is a deep, internal, inherent quality that we have as as birthrights of our being, human beings, human and divine, and that happiness might be something that occurs maybe fleetingly sometimes or by way of external circumstance. But then I found definitions to the contrary that talk about joy being evoked when we have a sense of maybe success or a desire fulfilled or an achievement of some kind, and that happiness is a state of contentment and being and a sense of well-being. So we, maybe, maybe we don't need to distinguish between the two of those. That's what I started thinking, you know, about 10,000 results in. Maybe, maybe I don't need to come up with a way to do this exactly. But I do think it's vital for us on our spiritual journeys to recognize the difference between external sources of happiness and what is etern- and internally a part of our being. Because, you know, these external things of happiness are wonderful saying they're not wonderful, the things that spark joy for all you Marie Kondo fans, the things that you just, unexpected surprises, I guess that's oxymoron, isn't it? Surprises are unexpected. (laughs) The things that you just weren't, you couldn't have planned for and just all of a sudden, oh, that just sparks joy in this moment, but also things you do plan for, your vacations, visits with your children, your grandchildren, these things are all wonderful. And there's something else that is not contingent upon those circumstances. Because if you notice, the things that make you happy today may not be the same things that made you happy five years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago. That job that you got a few ten years ago, they were like, yes, I made it. A few years in, maybe you start to have growing pains again with it. It doesn't stretch you. It doesn't inspire you. We are constantly undergoing shifts and changes, and so is the world around us, and so are all the people that we are in relationship with, right? So those kinds of things can bring us happiness, wonderful, and what else? They can also bring us hmm, some frustration sometimes, especially if we try to cling to the things that used to make us happy and that we find joy in and that they're no longer and we're getting just frustrated. We feel maybe stuck. Why isn't this bringing me the happiness it used to? I think of something, and I'll share a story, that used to bring me great happiness when I was a kid, and that was beat-up old cars. And I'll tell you why. My father was a mechanic, and he, by day he worked on train engines, and by night he worked on cars in the garage in our home. 
He did body work and he did engine work. And my dad had this thing. Now, he may not be able to relate it to cars, but you may know someone that's like this with stray animals, let's say stray cats, that if any cat were to show up on their property, you know that this person, this thing's going to have a name within a week. It's going to have its own bed, and it's going to be a permanent fixture in that household. doesn't matter what the cat looks like. This person could be the ugliest cat in the world. This person's proudly showing a picture to everybody they know. To them, it's the most beautiful creature on God's green earth. My dad was like that with cars. So when people would bring them their beat-up old cars, and sometimes they would say, Tim, I've got another one at home, but it's beyond hope. I don't think there's anything that you could, I just say, bring it on. We got room in the yard. At some point in my life, we had about nine different cars in our yard. Now, as a teenager, I was absolutely mortified at one point about this. To my dad, this was prosperity. He said, how many kids do you don't go to school with? Do you know have nine cars, Stacy? Come on, where's your gratitude? Okay, okay, dad. The bus pulls over. But I used to love to go and play in those cars. I'd read. I'd have, I had all kinds of fun. My sisters and I, and our favorite car, my sisters and I, was this deeply, deeply unattractive brown and white van. Now, let me tell you, that van had some quirks to it. Least of all, there was a rust hole in the top of it. My dad put a plexiglass and said, look, I invented a skylight for a car. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know if that's how that works. But our favorite thing about that van was that in the middle row were captain's chairs, and they were not bolted to the floorboard. So we would argue over who got to sit in those captain's chairs, and then when we'd go on a ride, if my dad had to brake kind of hard, we'd go flying. And we loved it. This was in the 1980s. This was our idea of a good time. Now, in 2024, that is a safety nightmare. As you parents know, your kids are practically in car seats until they get their driver's license. Now, this would never be acceptable. So that brought me great joy. Then I don't know if I'd get in that van today if it was still around. Rest in peace. And that's a kind of strange example. And yet, we know that there are things that we outgrow. There are things that we can no longer get our happiness from. And if we identify our sense of joy with those, if we identify ourselves completely with them, then when they are taken away from us, or things evolve and change, then we feel a sense of loss that goes beyond just losing that thing. We may sense, feel a sense of being disoriented about who we even are. Because those things were never designed to be permanent, but our mind does some strange things around happiness. And sometimes our mind does this thing where in the pursuit of trying to become happy, trying to grab the things that we think are going to make us happy, we actually become frustrated. We can actually create suffering because in our mind, when the mind gets in that mode, the Course in Miracles calls the the ego mind when it tries, it seeks, but it will never find. It's never happy for long enough. It's grasping, maybe this will work, maybe this next thing will work, maybe this next workshop will fix this about me. When you're starting to look at yourself as a long, arduous DIY project. i got to fix this part up, oh, now this over here is falling apart, got to work on this a little bit. So when we kind of get in that mode, a couple of things can happen. First of all, we become blind to the good that's already here in our lives. 
because we're so sure that it's just on the other side of whatever it is this is right now. Can't quite be happy yet, but when I finish this certificate or I do this or find this relationship or get this travel goal, whatever it is, you know the kinds of things that happen. They're different and the same for all of us. And sometimes what we do is we don't give ourselves permission to be happy right here, right now. But we can't see all the good that's already here, all the progress we've already made, because we're constantly forward-looking, constantly living in the future. Or we're looking back, and if this hadn't happened, maybe I could be happy right now. And the other thing that it can do to cause suffering is when you get your way. What about that magical day when everybody's behaving perfectly in your life? Everybody's doing, living life the way you think they should be doing it. Everybody's driving the way you think they should. Everybody's treating you the way you need to be treated. Their emails are just perfectly worded. Oh, glory, glory, it's beautiful, it's sunny. And then we get attached to, but what happens when it's not? I got to keep it this way. I can't, I, I, now that I have this, I need it to control it. Oh, don't go veering off on your own. And then and if you're like me, gosh, I went through a long time. I'm not saying I never do it anymore. I'm not only needing things to be a certain way in order for me to be happy. I needed the people in my life to also have things in their life working for them so that they were happy. Because I didn't want anybody around me not to be happy either. Of course, that's my problem, right? Why not? I'll make it my problem. And so when we get stuck in this idea of things needing to be a certain way, and placing conditions on our happiness, then you can see that it creates not an expanded sense of being, not a sense of freedom, but more of a contracted sense. Because when the more conditions that you place, the more things that you say, this needs to be like this, I need this, I need this to be happy, the smaller and smaller your life becomes. Your happiness ends up being this thing about this size that you kind of put up on a shelf. Maybe I'll get it down on a perfect day and let myself bask in it. But not today. But there is another way. I love that the Daily Word talks about this, that the joy in the happy times and the joy in the dark times. Well, that's a weird kind of way to say joy in the dark times. Charles Fillmore in the revealing word, he has, he's very bold. You know this about Charles if you've been in unity for a while. He defines the presence of God, which is a bold thing to do right away, right? That's a big thing. You can, okay, Charles, you know? Okay. But I love what he says about the presence of God, that it is an awareness of one's being, spiritualness in one's being, so that you are one with spirit. It's the awareness That spirit is within your own being. And when we become aware of that, he says this is what manifests out in the external world. A greater sense of life, a greater sense of peace, and a greater sense of what he calls spiritual joy. Now, spiritual joy is a little bit different than getting your favorite dessert and being happy about that. A spiritual joy can hold all things. And before we go too much into what it looks like, I want to say that what it, one of the things it's not, and that we can just give ourselves a break 
if we think that this is what spiritual joy is, it doesn't mean you have to smile 24 hours a day. And to be positive all the time. Even if you come to unity, did you know that? You're allowed to, to not have to be happy all the time. That we can admit when we are having conflicting feelings about something. That we, we can admit, even sometimes it's harder to admit for me, I don't know if this ever happens for you, but it's harder for me to admit that something feels off when everything looks right. It's one thing if I have an excuse. I was sick, or this deal fell through, or my kid's acting up, whatever. If I have an excuse, I can point to that. That's, that's why I'm being a little grumpy today. But some days, I can't point to anything that's wrong. If I had to get my happiness box out, I'd say, okay, all this stuff is met. Why am I still feeling maybe some emptiness? Why am I still feeling maybe some melancholy? These things can happen. And we know that they pass, but undergirding it all is this joy. So we don't have to be happy. That doesn't mean we have to be happy all the time. It's this joy. I love what Rob Bell, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Rob Bell. He's a spiritual teacher. He's one of my favorites. I encourage you. He has a YouTube video called Introduction to Joy. He went on a tour a few years ago. I was fortunate enough to see it in person. It's absolutely fabulous. But what he talks about is joy being this ground of our being that is big enough to hold all things. And he said it's not this kind of frivolous or lightheartedness. There's a lightheartedness that comes when we are ignorant. There's a lightheartedness that comes when we are in denial. We don't want to see any bad news. We don't want to confront what's going on. We're just going to say, nope, nope, da, 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 da. I'm going to be happy. I don't want to hear that. I, don't, I can't hear anything negative. There's that. That can be perceived as a happiness. No, I just don't pay attention to any of that. See how happy I am? <laughs> Nothing ever bothers me. And then what inevitably happens for all of us and has happened for all of us at different times in our life, we go through challenges. Some of us even have dark nights of the soul where there are times where we feel lost. We don't know the next step forward. We maybe face a challenge that we never thought we would have to deal with. Maybe something other people would have to deal with. We never thought that would come to our doorstep, and here it is. Right? And these times, too, pass. But when we're in them, they can feel pretty long. And then they do pass. They do pass, and when we come on the other side of them, there's a profound appreciation for life that we didn't have before we went through those things. There might be a profound appreciation for the simple things in life that we had taken for granted that we didn't even know to be grateful for because they were just always there. That is the joy that can hold all things. That is the profound spiritual joy that you are. It is this knowing that all is well. Yes, not all is well because I'm not looking at the stuff that's not well. All is well because I've seen some stuff. This kind of spiritual joy has seen some stuff. And it's still there because it's what is eternal. It is your oneness with spirit. And when you can tap into that awareness 
then what also happens is you can give yourself a greater sense of compassion for everything you've been through. And if you can give yourself a greater sense of compassion, then you can also have a greater sense of compassion for people that you see on their walk struggling in the same way. So that's the deep sense of joy. And it's just one way we can think of it. Just one way. And so if it's not something that we have to go and get, because sometimes we want to come to unity, okay, I'm going to get a four-step model to how I can be more joyful in my life, and that's what I want today. And if you don't give it to me, well, no. well there's, you are it. You're already it. So if there's nothing to do to attain it, there's nothing you need to do to deserve it or earn it, there's no point in the future when you're going to be ready for it. It's right here, right now. There are ways that we can cultivate it, though. And one of the ways I think that we can cultivate our joy is through a practice of gratitude. And I know you all are unit people. You say, I already know gratitude, right? We teach gratitude. We practice gratitude. I'm sure many of you have gratitude journals. If I were to give you all a piece of paper right now and say, write 10 things that you're grateful for in your life, you pros. Be done. And it does, it imbues you with a sense of, oh gosh, aliveness, obviously gratitude, but appreciation. Your perception is wider perhaps than when it was focused on your problems. It takes us out of our head when we focus on gratitude. And there's a gratitude practice that I've been doing the past few years that I'd like to share with you today because it's slightly different than thinking of the things that we are grateful for. Although there's certainly nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful, beautiful practice. And this one is, like I said, just slightly different, but it has been so meaningful in my own life. I want to share it with you today. So it began, I was first introduced to this um, by Deva Pramal. I don't know if you all know her. She is a beautiful singer. Oh, she sings Sanskrit mantras. You all have kirtan here. She does kirtan. She came with, she and her partner, Mighton, came to Unity of Houston a few years ago. And that concert was transcendent. Oh, my goodness. It was absolutely beautiful. And Deva grew up in a very spiritual family. It's the kind of family I think, I think, wouldn't that be fun? Our parents are singing kirtan. They're spiritual, mystical beings. She said it was annoying. So <laughs> just let you know this. All of us parents, we can give ourselves a break because we're all doing the best that we can. We're all trying to parent our children in ways that we wish we have been could have been parented, and your kids are still going to think you're annoying. <laughs> so there's that. So one of the things that her dad made her do that she felt really annoyed by is that every time she turned on the light switch, he told her she needed to say Ram. And this is from Lord Rama, Hindu God. It's just another name for God. So she's supposed to say Ram. You can imagine why turning on the light to acknowledge that it wasn't her hand touching the light switch that was a source of the light, wasn't the electricity itself even that was the source of the light. Ultimately, the source of all light is God, is Ram. And I was so moved by that when she told that story. It wouldn't leave me, and when I went home, I did that a little bit on my own life, but I began, I took it in my own way, which is one of the things I love about unity. We take what we hear, we take what we read, and we see what's alive for us in our own lives and how that can support us on where we're at in our journey. And I began with this um, beautiful Buddha statue I have. It's about this tall, and I got him when we were living in Singapore, and it's a very serene and calm 
calming presence in my house. It's a material thing. It brings me joy. And every time I would pass it in the hallway, I just put my hand and say to myself, Ram. And then I began noticing I was doing this in different areas of my house. And without even mentally thinking it through, I was out in the driveway one day, and my son was home from college, and I put my hand on his car. Ram. And in that moment, I was just flooded with this appreciation that this vehicle created by people I never met that began as an idea in the mind of God as all the things that we see here in the world carries my child safely from point A to B. My child, he goes to school in Georgetown, close to here. We live in Houston. Every time he's come back and forth home, it's been safely. All the college things he does that I don't know about, this car has gotten him <laughs> to do safely. And I began to, the next thing, I'm on my kitchen counter and I have my hand. Oh, this space, this kitchen where my family has had meals together, where we've had disagreements together, <laughs> where we've stormed out on each other sometimes, where we've come back and embraced each other, made fun of each other, you name it. All that has happened in this space with, that, is in, it, that these things live in. So what begins to happen is that it's not so much the things. It wasn't about being, I'm grateful that this counter is granite and it's a color that I like. And it's, it wasn't about the attributes of the thing. It's the recognition of the source of all things. All the good in our lives is from one source. And when we become aware that that one source is showing up in every, not only every cell of our beings, but every cell of our lives, that in it, we live and move and have our being. And we know we are never separate from God's good. We are never separate from the abundance of all of life. And that is the opposite of taking our happiness and putting conditions on it and needing things to be a certain way in order to feel content. All of a sudden, life becomes alive in a way that it perhaps wasn't before. So I invite you to, if it feels right for you, to try this out for a week. You don't have to, you know, do it dramatically. People, Ram, people, what are you doing? Ram, leave me alone. I'm acknowledging the source of God and all that I do. You know, it can be more subtle than that if you like. Or if you like a little drama, go for it. But even as a meditation, as a five-minute meditation around your home, just notice out in your yard. Oh, my goodness, around your beautiful church property that you have here, you can feel the presence of God. And it's not a very long trip from feeling the presence of God and all those things to realizing the joy of your own being, that the joy of your own being resides in realizing what the source of all is, not, can I get this next thing? Do I need to do this next thing in order to be more? Doing more to be more? I'll, I'm going to finish with this quote from Frederick Beekner. You may have heard of him before. He's a theologian. No longer with us, I believe. But he said that our joy, our vocation rather, is where our joy and our gladness meets the world's deep need. And so... When we are looking, 
of times we hear people talking about purpose. What's my purpose? Wanting to find this needs to tick these certain boxes. It's this thing. Sometimes purpose can turn into that too. This thing that we're going to get to somehow in the future or get it all figured out and it's going to look very nice and detailed and it's not going to be messy at all and I'm just going to know exactly how to do it every day. Instead, purpose is when you are able to tap into this joy that you are and you take the next step. What is alive for you? What do you notice about your life? What do you notice that feels particularly alive? What kind of relationships help you feel particularly alive? What is it about the things in your life? Because it's not about the thing. It's not about the particular model of the car. What does this car allow you to do? It allows you to be free. It allows you to get here. It allows you to do this. What are the things that bring you happiness and joy? What are they symbolizing for you? And to just follow that and follow that, and it will ultimately lead you to being of service in others in some way. And it will look different for all of us. It may just be that you are the most compassionate waitress in the world. You're a hairdresser who listens to everybody's problems. You're a real estate agent that can remain calm when people are feeling stressed about their money. It doesn't matter the career, this vocation idea. What it matters is what energy you bring to it. And if it is bringing you, your joy is meeting it, and you are giving that to the world. And that's really the greatest gift that you can give. So I'd like to close today with our meditation, a little joy meditation. So I invite you to get comfortable wherever you're sitting. Arrange your body in a way that allows you to feel both relaxed and supported. And let's just simply breathe. Nothing else to do in this moment except just be. The way that you have arrived at this moment, whatever iteration of you that is here right now, it is perfect. It is exactly what the world needs right now. So I invite you to imagine your joy by whatever name you wish to call it, happiness, contentment, inspiration. And imagine it in this beautiful, clear, box. I want you to imagine yourself removing the lid from this box. Take a moment to look in your box of joy. See what's in there you maybe haven't taken out in a while. Is there some area that you'd like to give yourself permission to enjoy more? To experience a sense of freedom and creativity.
Is there an area of your life that you may feel some heaviness around and you'd like to experience the lightness, the embrace of joy? to give yourself compassion for any areas that you may have held as off limits for your happiness. Any area you may have been postponing your happiness, joy. And can you open yourself up and give yourself permission to begin holding it a bit more lightly. To say right here, right now, I allow myself to live in the fullness of joy. As we close, take a moment to show yourself some gratitude. Extend yourself some compassion for doing the best you can, for coming home to the truth of yourself over and over again. What I know and affirm for each person in the sound of my voice is that you are joy, you are love. And you are the divine in its perfect expression. And so it is. Amen.